0: The following is a lesson in a series on life, liberty, and property brought to you by Republic Keepers, and is presented and discussed by the Attorney General of the Republic State of Texas, Chaplain Raymond. This lesson discusses a book by the same name, Life, Liberty, and Property, written by Charles A. Wiseman, of which can be purchased at his website, seek-info.com, at amazon.com, or small bookstores such as Brave New Books in Austin, Texas. The ISBN number for this book is 0 9668921 9 4 Life, Liberty, and Property is an educational series for sovereign souls on the dry land, and the information about fundamental law and the unwritten Constitution cannot be utilized by those individuals that are domiciled in the District of Columbia. To understand your domicile status, please review the Two Constitutions, Two Domiciles document on republickeepers.com. We hope you enjoy this lesson on life, liberty, and property.
1: Still in Chapter 3, I think, history, and we've reached a point in the study which I think is probably one of the most important pieces of information for all of you. Now, I had asked maybe if we could get a couple words printed on this uh, heading where it says law above the government. You might think of that as saying fundamental law is above the government. Or we can say first the state law is above the government. Or we the people's law above government. <clears throat> so, the heading in the book is law above government. The history of the conflict over life, liberty, and property has been a conflict over what law will prevail as paramount in the land. Fundamental law or acts of government, which is it? Laws of God or laws of men, which is it? It has thus been a conflict between the law of the land and the powers of rulers and governments the law of the land is that which both government and persons are bound to follow. In England, Magna Carta had recognized this law and it bound the king to act within certain limitations. Thus, the law could control the king because it was superior to him. King John found this out the hard way. Though many forgotten Though almost forgotten during the 15th and 16th centuries, Magna Carta was revived and used in the 17th century by jurists like Sir Edward Coke and others to counter the Stuart King's theory of, quote, divine right of kings, unquote. Those who pleaded the charter asserted that the king was not above the law but was subject to it. King James the first, 1603 to 1625, quote, constantly proclaimed the doctrine of the divine right of kings. This theory, which was unknown to the English constitution, declared that the king derived his power and right to rule directly from God and in no way from the people. King James took offence at the independence of his judges and, enraged, declared, "Then I am to be under the law, which is treason to affirm." Chief Justice Coke replied, "Thus wrote Bracton: "The king ought not to be under any man, but he is under God and the law, because the law makes the king." The divine rights of kings imply that God demands blind obedience by citizens to the will of the king, as his right to rule is not from people. But in the Bible, it was the people who wanted the king, not God. Also, King Saul and David and other kings had to be confirmed by the people to be king. In fact, many of the early kings of England were confirmed by the people. Yet it was a favorite saying of James I that God makes the king, the king makes the law. This was truly a distortion as it was recognized that the common law was developed by divine providence and existed before the king. The divine right of kings concept was merely a cover and an excuse for the king to violate the life, liberty, and property of the people. God actually prescribed certain rules or laws for kings to follow, and thus were bound to. They, the kings, were to rule in righteousness, hate covetousness, exact justice, be truthful, and be a terror to evildoers. So while the role of the king did not have some connection to God, the king himself was limited by God's law. Thus, the whole theory of divine right was a gross distortion, just as today's government uses the idea of public safety to enact all sorts of oppressive and dictatorial measures. While there is a valid principle behind public safety, it is being grossly distorted for the same reason, to control the life, liberty, and property of the people. To counter this concept of the divine right of kings, Samuel Rutherford had written a book called Lex Rex, The Law and the Prince, in 1643. The book called a great, caused a great offense to the crown as it asserted that the law, lex, preceded the king, rex, and thus was superior to the king. Rutherford's book provided a philosophy whereby the people could resist persecution and protect their life, liberty, and property from arbitrary acts of the king. The book was so popular It was ordered to be burned. Anyone found with a copy was to be considered an enemy of the government. Rutherford himself was arrested, charged with treason, and found guilty. But before the government could execute him, he died in prison. With the revived concept of due process of law, there developed in England the doctrine that certain laws and principles either of the common law or natural law were paramount and superior over the king and parliament. The great champion of the supremacy of the common law was Lord Coke. The great champion of the supremacy of natural law was the philosopher John Locke. Now, this is an aside. It may surprise you to learn that John Locke grew up in a house in England with uh, Roger Williams, the founder of the Rhode Island plantation. And Roger Williams was the famous inventor of the concept of liberty of conscience, which over a period of time finally made it into our philosophy and common law. John Locke advanced it and gets most of the credit. Sir Edward Koch, who held the positions of Chief Justice of England, Attorney General, and Speaker of the House of Commons, was removed from office by King James for upholding the common law and the citizens' rights against kingly prerogatives. Later, when Coke entered Parliament, he drew up a declaration containing 14 points of grievance. King James rejected the petition, asserting that freedom of speech and to petition were derived from the grace and permission of the king's ancestors only. Koch responded with Magna stating, asserting, asserting that it is called the Charter of Liberty because it makes men free. When the king says he cannot allow our liberties of right, this strikes at the root. King James then sent for Coke, stripped him of his place at the council table, and imprisoned him. The king then sent for house journals, and he tore the petition from the book. Coke was later cleared of all charges, and when he entered Parliament, he often quoted Magna Carta in its famous 39th chapter. When the king heard that Coke was about to write another book on the law, he ordered his lord keeper to halt production the king feared the impact the book would have on the people as coke was held as a great oracle among the people even when coke died he was dangerous the king ordered coke's study sealed as he supposed that his work contained many monuments of the subject's liberties and it was not until years after his death that the House of Commons had his works dug up from hiding and published. This is another story of how a corrupt leader or government will violate the law of the land so as to undermine private rights and liberties. The acts of King George III over Americans in the mid-1700s is another example, as is the government that prevails today in America. Now King James II, 1685-1688, a short reign of only three years, during his reign also exercised all of the old arbitrary principles of government. The tyranny of King James II brought about the Revolution of 1688, causing the people to pressure Parliament to have him deposed. The Act Allowed William and Mary by popular election to ascend to the throne on the condition that they endorse the famous Petition of Right, which was adopted in 1689. This embodied all the rules of the Magna Carta. Now I want to make a comment about this. Notice that King James' rule was in 1685. That was less than a hundred years before the Declaration of Independence. Which means there were colonists on the land in the Americas, in the colonies, that knew of this experience, that knew of the rejection of the king, the the getting rid of the king, a revolution to get rid of the king, and an election to appoint the next king and queen. This fact is totally new to me. It is an example of what propaganda is. In propaganda, the difference between it and just regular facts is there's a selection of facts that is revealed. Many are omitted. This is omitted from our education. The people disposed of king and elected a set of people to take his place. Amazing. In England, during the time, there were colonists in America who would be made known of this occurrence. It was this docto- document, the petition of right, that is, which Black Sloan styled, The Second Magna Carta and Stable Bulwark of Our Liberties as it redefined and reestablished the liberties of the people in the face of governmental usurpation. This Bill of Rights of 1689 was the last significant positive event that would have any effect on American law and jurisprudence. By the 18th century, the supremacy of the common law over the king was completely and finally established. However, the supremacy of the common law or the law of the land over acts of parliament was never soundly or completely established. The concept was asserted by Lord Coke in the Dr. Bonham case in 1610 and by Coke in his institutes and by a few other writers, but despite this, the doctrine of parliamentary supremacy was generally admitted, though in theory it never was the true law, as asserted by the New Hampshire Supreme Court in 1868. Quoting the New Hampshire Supreme Court, quote, In England, even the legislative authority of Parliament is practically if not in theory, subject to this limitation that no law shall be passed which is contrary to the common right and natural justice. Lord Koch in Dr. Bonham's case says, it appears in our books that in many cases the common law will control acts of parliament and adjudge them to be utterly void. For when an act of parliament is against common right and reason or repugnant or impossible to be performed, the common law will control it and adjudge such act to be void in his life of Coke, Lord Campbell, with characteristic flippancy, calls this a foolish opinion, but the same doctrine is laid down in da v savage hobart eighty five and eighty seven where Hobart says. Even an act of Parliament made against natural equity, as to make a man judge in his own case, is void in itself, for the natural laws are immutable, and they are legis legum. The court also stated that the power to make laws, which are wholesome and reasonable, is not a power to make laws contrary to reason or the Constitution. This grant of power is in its nature a limited, restricted power. It also said the object of its state constitution was to adopt and confirm that maxim of the common law which allowed the common law to adjudge void and an act in parliament against common right and reason. Thus, there thus was significant recognition of the supremacy of the law of the land in England up to this period of time. But the doctrine of parliamentary supremacy was reasserted in 1871. What a, what a year corporations were coming into existence in the case of Lee, Butte, etc. Railway. Ever since this decision, the doctrine of legislation over the law of the land has been followed in England, though it was based on an unfounded legal precedence. Generally in England, the meaning of the law of the land had never been extended to the point of controlling legislation. Any act of parliament was usually regarded to be the law of the land, or due process of law. But it should be noted that in England the phrase due process of law has received practically no judicial construction in litigated cases. It thus appears this doctrine of parliamentary supremacy existed merely by fiat. The idea that government is superior to fundamental law and that law is changeable and repealable has only been maintained during the course of governmental tyranny or usurpation. The doctrine is not sound, nor was it part of the English Constitution. The truth of the supremacy of the law of the land over government was to be resolved and acknowledged not in England, but in America. The conflict of life, liberty, and property came to a showdown with the oppressive acts that King George III in Parliament brought against upon the American colonies. It was with this episode in history that the protection of life, liberty, and property by due process of law was firmly and fully established. It was here in America that the law of the land was upheld supreme over acts of government. God bless you all and thank you very much. We'll continue with the next chapter tomorrow.